Welcome to the More Than Real Estate podcast. This week on our final episode of season one, Chantal Goddard sits down with Bruce Joseph, principal broker with Anthem Mortgage. We listen in as they discuss the market, their predictions for the rest of the year, and even have a good laugh. Stay tuned for season two coming fall 2021. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the More Than Real Estate podcast. We have been chatting for quite some time now and decided that we were going to turn the podcast mic on. So I am joined with Bruce Joseph, who is the principal broker of Anthem Mortgage Group. Thanks for joining me, Bruce. It is a pleasure to be here, Chantal. Thanks. It actually started with um, the podcast. Whenever we started recording the podcast, we um, just would sit and have conversations and do our coffee talks. And that sort of morphed into this podcast where we've been able to have some other guests on. So thank you for being the initiator with all of that. I look forward to this. Yeah. (laughs) We always have some great conversations. And um, one of the big things right now that I think is super important, and we were chatting about it a little bit, is... Not that whenever you're looking at um, gaining information and trying to figure out what's going on and um, just observing what's happening in the world today, it's super important to look at both sides of the equation. Right. Yeah. I'll just jump in and make a comment on that. So typically people generally are quite biased by nature Absolutely. Uh, and, and the, the, the way social media has affected the way we think has been quite divisive. Uh, this podcast is likely heavily real estate focused. And so there's a lot of thought patterns about the future of, of uh, real estate pricing momentum, uh, maybe like social structure. And one, one thing I've, I've found enormously beneficial uh, for both myself and I've observed in some of the best decision makers, uh, uh, in the world historically have been, has been this way of being unbiased, more focused on the truth, uh, than being right. So we'll likely talk about a number of things, uh, today that, uh, there will be an obvious perspective For sure. and, uh, to, to really not just have traction, uh, but make really informed decisions. It's always good to understand the alternative you know, side because you live in this world of duality. For sure, uh, where uh, there's there's two perspectives, and it's not like one is necessarily uh, right or wrong or good or bad. It just is, mm-hmm. and uh, this is just a great approach that I like to uh, sort of mention when I'm giving an opinion on something. I try really hard uh, to consider the opposing side of that opinion. I think it's true in every aspect of your life. If you can sit and start looking at something that may contradict what your initial thoughts might be, open your mind up and really take in and try and understand the other side, the other way of thinking. I think it's super important and you can apply that to all aspects of life. Yeah. I mean, from a, from a a certain sense of well-being, you know, like you could look at, you could pick any topic right now, but I mean, I guess everyone, Oh, there's a million that come to mind right away. (laughs) Um, Probably some of the most obvious could be, you know, political, uh, and you could look at a, 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 a much better way to do things is right now you've got the left and the right essentially attempting to destroy each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got individuals that identify with the left or the right. Um, if you identify with one, the other side's your enemy. And, and the typical way of thinking is to just obliterate mm-hmm. the opposing um, side. Now, 
a better perspective, I believe, and I think uh, most people, if they are calm, would 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 agree that um, there's always going to be an opposing side. So so the obliteration when you when you have one opinion, it implies an alternative opinion. Even. Absolutely. Like, like if there, black implies white, white implies black, left implies right, up implies down, um, and we could go on because we live in a reality of duality. So all I'm suggesting is. Um, for the purpose of even a podcast like this or any good discussion is to change that battle uh, between a left or a right opposing side winning to more of a dance mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> between two sides. Because wouldn't it be beautiful if we had a political debate perhaps where um, the left and the right chose to engage in a dance of conversation rather than um, a decision to try to obliterate the other side, which is impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always going to be the opposing side, but to really just um, dance around the big topics and come up with a higher level of understanding of each other's position. I have like the yin yang symbol is exactly what I'm picturing right now as you're saying this. And it's literally, they are two opposing two dualities that are going around in a circle. And that's exactly, I think that's the best way to put it. It's a dance. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a more enjoyable way to have a discussion. I agree. Absolutely. Um, so with that, we're going to dive into some of the topics. We recently had a presentation. We had a fabulous economist come on and give us um, some info relating to real estate, what to look for, what we can anticipate seeing with the market in the next six months for the remainder of the year. So I think one of the biggest points and one of the biggest topics that I took from this was having to do with the wealth that homeowners have been able to create for themselves Um, over the last, I think it was the last three months that the difference between homeownership versus renting. Right. Um, So the wealth that many homeowners have actually been able to accumulate for the most part, um, and I I suppose you could actually take it a step further and say individuals that are heavily exposed to real assets would probably be a key, uh, especially certain assets that uh, are contingent on uh, leverage, uh, yep. mortgages, have done exceptionally well. Yeah. And and their success in that matter, uh, if we're being completely transparent, honest, and open about the topic, um, was accidental. If, like, we, you were close to, close to some, some locations, close to a 40% bump. Um, in, in valuations, uh, obviously that's dispersed differently, um, but geographically the entire world's developed nations have found that real estate has boomed uh, as a consequence of central banks um, engaging in a global stimulus program uh, uh, in, in cooperation and collaboration to the likes uh, never seen ever in history uh, to to, to measures which would make the, the the stimulus package of the 2008 subprime crisis look like, um, you know, like almost not worth talking about. Yeah. I'm really interested to see the history books and how this is going to be written and how that's going to look in the future. But there's a couple things that you just mentioned there. Um, inflation. Right. right. Can you, okay. Can you break down in the most basic terms, basic concept, what inflation is? Because that seems to be something that keeps coming up with what is potentially going to be affecting real estate. Well, that's what has uh, substantially affected real estate. I mean, 
historically, if you took a classical economics book, you would you would genuinely look at buying real estate where the jobs are at. Yeah. Um, we're going to plop a big Tesla factory, uh, maybe, you know, somewhere in a small town north of uh, Barrie. You can pretty much guarantee the real estate in that entire geographical location is going to skyrocket. Why? Yep. People are going to move there and they're going to have lots of money because they're going to be making lots of money. And that's uh, traditional, uh, traditionally what you look at. Uh, what we have happening now is is real estate that is uh, exceptionally booming due to pinning rates to um, negative real rates. Um, so I'll distinguish briefly no, nominal, we, yeah, yeah, um, in in real and uh, inflation. And inflation is is, is a tricky concept, um, you know, that I think a lot of economists and analysts and, and people who have taken finance courses may take for granted is, is very misunderstood by the broader population. I agree with that. Uh, and I think the reason why inflation is uh, misunderstood is because it, it gives the impression uh, that things are um, essentially rising in, in price, uh, which is nominally or, or to, to visually look at it is, is absolutely true. Um, but it doesn't give a really good understanding of what's truly happening, which is that currency is being increased in supply, uh, which is reducing its purchasing power. And that purchasing power decrease is, is, is much more what's actually occurring. Uh, and this is what makes inflation sort of separate uh, and create large wealth gaps, essentially. So if you've owned a lot of real estate, you've done exceptionally well because mm -hmm. inflation has the um, effect of increasing or, you know, real assets hold their value, but it also has a really interesting side effect where it decreases the cost of debt dramatically. Which so is fascinating. Almost completely washing it out. Oh, look, if you had a crystal ball two years ago, um, you would be out of your mind not to buy every <laughs> single thing, yeah. um, every single piece of real estate you could get. And you would have bored a credit card interest rates if you had to. Um, and you would have looked like a genius mm -hmm. um, because, because the debt would have inflated away. For, for example, I mean, if, if the inflation rate is, for arguable, argument's sake, you know, I, I will throw some. Oh, excuse me reasonable, like say 4%. Okay. And your, your borrowing rate is, you know, 4%, then you're kind of close to like a, like a net zero, um, because, which is a concept that's hard to kind of grasp. And, you know, people who take economics courses kind of like get into that, but um, <laughs> um, that's something to consider. So when I use the term negative real rates, all yeah. I'm doing is I'm taking inflation and I'm subtracting it from the interest rate. And that could provide um, um, what I, what we kind of re in real terms, it's a close approximation, I suppose, okay. uh, without getting into a Echo 101 course. <laughs> I feel like we should do another one. <laughs> Bring through. What are the terms and let's go through them all. I mean, if you had to summarize that, like inflation um, really reduces the cost of debt. It, it, you can inflate away debt. Another flip side, if we're looking at opposing sides, you could look at deflation. So that's when things are falling in value. Uh, sorry, not falling, falling in price would be much more accurate. Um, imagine how uncomfortable your mortgage is if your home is down 20%. It's a lot more uncomfortable yeah, than if absolutely. your home is up 20%. Yeah. Now you might say, well, everything up, everything else has risen 20%. Lumber sucks. I went out for dinner. It was $300. That's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's uncomfortable, but it's less uncomfortable than if your assets fall by 30%, unless you're a big saver.
If true. all your assets are in cash, you'd like nothing more than deflation. Yes. <laughs> so. Hmm. Okay. The again, there's so many points that you've touched on there. Um, the whenever we are looking at um, mortgage rates and what could be happening. If we start trying to predict what we might be seeing, we know that there is a massive portion of the Canadian economy that relies on the real estate industry. Right. One of the big questions that I'm getting now from people are what's going to happen to mortgage rates? Is the bank of Canada going to start increasing rates? Sure. What are you, what are you seeing on your end there? So I think it's, important to recognize that historically speaking, real estate has been a consequence of wealth for a nation, um, not a creator of it. Uh, so that's an interesting, it's, 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 yeah. it's been fundamentally, um, a cornerstone of economic thought. Uh, that's clearly not the case right now. <laughs> so, uh, and <laughs> observable, it's almost like a, a, a strange kind of like a hyper reality. Um, and, and that's how interesting things get when you can inflate and coordinate with, with other central banks. Uh, now, when you're talking about uh, what the future holds, uh, no one has a crystal ball. And I think um, any substantial uh, education or understanding you have of economics for a question like that would be not useless, but not exceptionally helpful either. Okay. And the reason that is, is because of two things that go through my mind often. One is that um, we're clearly in a euphoria slash panic stage, um, which could, which seems to have been, you know, some would describe as the last two decades, some would describe as just more extreme lately. Uh, but, you know, that fear of missing out, the greed of accumulating, um, it's, it's gone past any level of, of, of prudence. Um, the amount of debt uh, per household, like Canada is contingent on real estate, uh, and, and that real estate is contingent on credit, mm -hmm. right? And so it sounds absurd to say that the banks can't really increase rates. And it's important to note that rates are not something that just like fluctuate by public opinion or, you know, the invisible hand of the markets. They're, they're being controlled by central banks. So mm -hmm. you could theoretically, like theoretically, practically speaking, if you had the right connections, you could actually just find out. Right. If you you know could have a coffee with um, the people behind the people in charge of the central bank, you could actually know the answer. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> right? Let's um, do this because the, the, these things are decided upon because it's a lever. Um, if we uh, pump the brakes, increase interest rates, or very important, slow the spending or the stimulus, which is the printing of money, we used to call it quantitative quantitative easing. Now we call it printing money. Yeah. Right. We just call it exactly what it is because uh, you can see right past it. Um, if we like slow printing of money or increase rates, it's like hitting the brakes on the economy. Now we want to do that because we want a reasonable amount of inflation. We don't want home prices jumping, you know, double digits every year. Exactly. Uh, because the obvious side effect of that is displacing, um, um, the lower income percent of the population. Uh, it creates rental evictions at like the highest level I've yeah. ever seen in the 20 years I've been in this game. Yeah. Um, so, so there is a desire uh, and it's a discussion about increasing interest rates. We're, we're hearing that right now, right? Yeah. Um, so if they were to happen, my, my opinion would be it would be very gentle. It would be very, very gentle. 
um, because they have to tread very lightly because anything, anything at this level of debt amplifies anything you do. Yeah. Right. So, uh, if I had to gamble or make an educated prediction, I would say it, if it was to increase, it would be marginal. Um, but I would be more likely to see, uh, things relatively the same <laughs> that makes for, sense. for quite some time. I think, yeah, whenever you start looking at everything on the larger scale and at a macro level, I guess is the best way to say that, um, what is happening with the Canadian economy, whenever you start looking at, and you touched on it, just the gap that exists between people right now, where people are being displaced, they are trying to enter the market. I don't know where I'm going with all that, but... (laughs) Um, I mean, look, you've got, you've got two mentalities that happen. One is, um, don't fight the Fed, uh, which is, you know, exactly why if you, if, if, if you knew for sure that they would do what they would say and increase rates, yeah. uh, you would chill out on buying stuff. Like if it, if it's very accurate that the stimulus is going to be reduced and rates are going to be increased. So let's say this is what, so let's go with what you believe. Like if yeah. we're, if we're in this is going out to an audience and the question is, um, what do I do? It's like, what do you believe? If you believe rates are going to rise dramatically or even gently and the government will reduce its spending, mm-hmm. which is likely more of a conservative leaning, slightly right leaning um, um, way of, of doing things. Yeah. Um, and we currently have a very strong liberal government right now, which is much more about printing of money and a little bit more flexible on we'll figure out how to pay for this later yeah right um th- but based that's on what you that's a whole other topic but yeah. but if you believe that the printing press will continue rates will be pinned low you would continually buy assets in um as, as a way to hedge against inflation if you believed it would go the other way you would pump the breaks on accumulating assets and if you thought it would be slightly more uncomfortable and increase you would probably shift your assets from um, inflation-like assets, like real estate, to um, debt-like assets, uh, which would be like mortgage investing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't even know that I would recommend uh, bonds, but bonds yeah. would, because they're, those are negative returns after inflation in a lot of cases, uh, but something that could like really store value. Yeah. Again, you won't find, I believe, a lot of analysts that are expecting deflation. Because that's what increasing rates substantially would cause. Hmm. They would cause deflationary um, pressure, which would cause prices to fall. And although I'm not a fan of um, extreme inflation, like the type of inflation we've had, deflation is very uncomfortable. I mean, that's recession, that's depression, that's people waiting in food lines. It's not good. Okay. So one of the stats that we were recently told was that um, Canadians have the most disposable income right now cash on hand they've been saving so they're confident they're starting to inject this money into the economy that coupled with money being printed and all of that obviously writing's on the wall with that there's two sides to that um (laughs) it's not all canadians okay um those are canadians that are wealthy real estate wise again this type of inflation um, disproportionately benefits different sides of, of the economy. If you own seven houses for per se, then um, you have a lot of money in the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were uh, wise to accumulate, say, rental properties or just diligently buy the right types of real estate assets, 
you are sitting on a lot of capital because you've been able to use your leverage to consolidate debt and probably not take three vacations last year, mm -hmm. right? So your spending habits have been curbed. Um, any money you did spend might have been in a backyard renovation or upgrading your house, value. which increased yeah. value further and uh, became a good return on an investment. Uh, but if you were a renter uh, with the vast majority of your money squirreled away in a savings account, mm -hmm. uh, you have been significantly damaged in the last year because yeah. every single thing you can consider buying is much more expensive because the, again, what I mentioned earlier, the purchasing power of your currency is substantially lower, yeah. right? And that trend will continue. So um, giving financial advice today is dramatically different than just two years ago. I mean, dramatically different. Yeah. So, I mean, a penny saved is not really a penny earned anymore because that'll inflate and lose its value. A penny uh, invested wisely uh, is basically the law of, of how you do things now. Yeah, I guess <laughs> so that makes sense. That's a good way to look at it. If you want to take it further, you could say a penny borrowed and then invested. Yeah, actually, good <laughs> right. point. Right. Yeah, so, leverage, leverage too. as much as you possibly can. Um, okay. So if we go on the flip side of this, so a lot of this conversation so far has been surrounding people that are in a position where they can purchase, where they already have purchased, where they already own assets, whether they're real assets or what they are. Mm -hmm. Um, when we look at the flip side, um, and people that are in a, they have a set income, um, and they're trying to make that step from, renting to home ownership. I know a lot of people, whether they are younger generation, people that are starting over, people that have gone through a separation, whatever the situation might be, what in yeah. today's world, what is it that they can do to start positioning themselves so that they can sure. purchase assets? Yeah. So this is a very inconvenient truth. Uh, like the response to this is likely not popular, but, um, if you were to give a transparent and genuine response, uh, it's, 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 it's blatantly obvious that the vast majority of first time home buyers are getting assistance from their family mm -hmm. and they're getting assistance from family members who have participated in the last uh, decade or two uh, real estate uh, boom. And that is allowing them to acquire that because your savings, uh, are not rising faster than the rate of um, inflation right now, probably. Real inflation too. Don't forget that the numbers that the government is posting is likely um, skewed very low, very yeah. low. I mean, um, I think it's just sub 4% is what uh, was recently posted. And it's like, you can't find many things that only increased by that amount, at least that I'm buying. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something off the top of my head. I think when I looked at the inflation numbers, the the only thing that was flat was orange juice for some reason. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but it but then on the farthest end was, you know, like lumber, which lumber. has was... corrected significantly recently, but that's... Um, so if, if we're talking about those who have not participated or first time home buyers or people who are looking to get into the market, what's the advice? Um, you know, like uh, I can't give you a rosy, warm um, um, tidbit of like, just do this. You'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Hustle. It's a different game. Yeah. It's a different game because, I mean, if you study countries who have gone through significant inflation, um, it creates like real winners and real losers. Yeah. And I don't mean losers in a negative term. It means like they just cannot play the game. They can't play the game 
um, without family assistance because the their income is not rising. You know, if I own a home, that's exact, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yep. So like basically for the average middle-class Canadian, your house made more money than you made last year. We had right? this conversation. I think it was yeah. in the winter time. We had so, had this conversation. So yeah. if, if you just like in 2019, but levered and bought as much as you could, you could just sit back, drink beer at home and you could like, it is unlikely you can make that kind of money um, tax-free, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like in your, in your employment. Uh, because it is tax free, right? So yep. uh, that created if if you just decided to hold off buying that year and, mm-hmm. and rent it and had a bunch of a couple hundred G's in a bank account, uh, you just saw the goalpost move aggressively, mm-hmm. and now you've got to catch up. But guess what? Your income didn't rise 30 40 percent. You know the government hasn't reduced your taxation rate, um, so that's a bit of a challenge. That would be nice. Uh, Exactly. Right. <laughs> so what advice would I, I give them is um, stay calm. <laughs> uh, don't fret. And mm-hmm. um, you're probably going to have to be uh, creative. There isn't. Um, and, and if this trend continues, there isn't a short answer. It isn't the advice our parents gave us, like just you know, work really hard, squirrel away your yeah. money. And, and, you know, as soon as you've got that money to put down, buy your home. I mean, that doesn't work. Yeah. That hasn't worked in a couple of years. And that's just a harsh truth. I think it's living within your means yeah. is a huge part of it. But then the creativity side. So this is where I'm also interested to see what's going to start happening with housing and the way it's going to be laid out, whether yeah. we're already seeing multi-generational homes that are out there. Um, sure. it, I'm interested to see if there's going to be more co-ownerships or if that's even going to be an option whether it's... Uh, First of all, that's definitely happening. I right. can tell you from the mortgage side, uh, we have observed uh, multiple individuals going on title that are typically um, of, of more than one generation. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 a not surprising, not surprising to see given the cost of home ownership. Uh, you're also seeing a, a much more aggressive, I mean, you know, like, Years ago, if you bought a house, you bought a starter home, then you'd sell it and then yep. you'd upgrade. Um, very time. few of our clients will sell their starter home. Uh, it's much more incentivized to refinance, pull the equity out, buy your next home, and keep that as a rental. So yep. uh, we we have seen detached homes become the investment choice of the vast majority of Canadians, and, mm-hmm. and much more so than you know an index fund or um, you know, traditional stock type investments. Yeah. This is a whole other side to the conversation as well. Um, when you start looking at municipalities and how they're planning development and opportunities there that are going to start coming, um, they're all looking for higher density. They want townhouses, they want stacked towns. The majority of municipalities are looking to increase density, increase population. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not, they're creating more doors as opposed to the single family homes. And those seem to be the ones that are the most desirable right now. Yes. So that's another huge side to it that I find anybody that already has that starter home and touching on the point that you said, where they're not selling that anymore, they're keeping it. 
I think the value of those and what we're seeing, especially in Barrie and Simcoe County, the value of those homes have skyrocketed. Absolutely. Yeah. So there, there's a really interesting trend where you've got uh, groups of individuals that are buying multiple homes. We've mm -hmm. observed that mm -hmm. um, a number of our whether you agree or disagree that this is becoming a controversial topic now. Uh, Absolutely, it's much yes. more controversial when you get into, I mean, it's less controversial when you have a group of professionals getting together, pooling their assets and buying um, multiple homes um, that that could make some people uncomfortable because that is partially behind and some um, some political parties have have um, weighed in on, um, you know, that's creating affordability issues for, for homeowners and should we should we have large corporations buying shelter at this at this rate mm -hmm. um, personally I think that's that argument's going nowhere I think that um, um, this trend has been continuing and will continue we've seen it in the US with BlackRock um, uh, which has assistance from the federal government yeah. and so you're seeing them buy it could be just a shirt for yield or there could be you know just like very little other assets um, or there's just too much money being printed. Like they have access to so much capital, it's got to find its way somewhere. Yeah. So when you look at, um, you know, a place like Barry, uh, and you've got large development families and organizations sitting on billions of dollars, uh, which is also being spoken about in Canadian media, um, specifically targeting single family homes to mm -hmm. enter their portfolio. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could, I could see why. There's a scarcity aspect uh, to it. And again, this this could push. If you want to look at a longer term trend, it could push for multi, for at least the next generation or two the idea of a detached home ownership out, completely out of um, the possibilities and um, future generations. And again, I'm not suggesting this is good or bad. Uh, we'll have to live in a cube in the sky, mm -hmm. uh, and that that shouldn't surprise anyone. If you look, if you imagine a metropolis like Barrie is a metropolis. Uh, in the next, you know, 50 years, it's looking a lot more up than wide. It has to. Uh, That's the only way to go up. Well, yeah, because I mean, we're moving into a really environmental mindset where um, we're trying to really taper off. This is a global initiative. We're talking about uh, uh, reducing consumption uh, mm -hmm. for the well-being of the world. Uh, in that scenario, you want people in blocks. You don't want people on 20 acres sprawled out. Sprawled right. out, yep. right? So. Um, big corporations know this, mm -hmm. and and I think um, that macro understanding is why you're seeing investment funds start accumulating large uh, acquisitions of land, hmm. uh, whether it be for development or they're just understanding like this is really happening, right? Mm -hmm. uh, whereas you know, 20 years ago, they wouldn't be interested in dirt. Yeah, no, it's true. Well, and that's even conversations that I'm having now with people where it's land, like it's going to it's scarce. And if you're able to purchase it, purchase it. We're seeing it with waterfront properties as well now. Yeah. Um, I know we've chatted about waterfront properties and it's been. That's a tough one. Cause yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of on a coin flip on that because again, I'm always caught between two things. One is this time it's different where um, <laughs> it, when you, everyone thinks that it most certainly isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, we've seen the most aggressive increase in waterfront properties. Like, is that because of uh, when we lock people up for a year? That's, uh, and we can't go away on vacation. And you can't go away on vacation. Then yeah. you want to make your prison the ultimate paradise. Absolutely. Right? And so if I'm going to be in prison, I want that prison to be on a waterfront yep. with a lake and a boat and it's beautiful and I'll spend millions on it and my brain is no longer operating in a rational way. 
and you can you can expand that to the way an entire country thinks mm-hmm. uh, or the world for that matter, which we just kind of went through. So um, part of me thinks that uh, you know waterfront could theoretically be overvalued. Uh, but then the other flip side of that is, um, again, don't fight the Fed, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, this is this is occurring from enormous amounts of stimulus and capital. There is a lot, as you were saying earlier, there's a lot of money in bank accounts. There's a lot of cash. There's a lot of individuals and corporations that will buy those assets right now. Mm-hmm. So there is a very good argument that those waterfront properties, uh, because they are slightly more scarce, I mean, if it was... <sighs> Could could hold their value and more more alternatively they could increase still. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's a really interesting time because what would happen next I think has a lot more to do with what policymakers decide to do with things like interest rate stimulus. If I had to conclude that entire sort of um, um, little rant there, I would say uh, it's it's seems contingent on on policy uh, more than. Um, simply just mass psychology. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that because I've, I've sort of observed a lot of buyer fatigue the last few weeks. That's, we're definitely starting to see it. Um, it's going to be, I know that there's a lot of people that are sitting there waiting to see what's going to happen. There was the new stress test that was put out, which was made almost no impact from what we're seeing on our side. Um, the last time that the stress test got put in place, there was other policy that was created as well. And that seems to really be that unknown factor. I know whenever I'm always talking to clients about pricing a home and what might affect the value of the house, what might affect, there's always that unknown factor. And I think you nailed it whenever you said it's going to all depend on what happens with policy. It depends on if there's going to be an election, which most likely I'm assuming that there will be not trying to get into the whole political side of it, but it definitely has a huge impact on what's going to be happening. What type of government we have, it's going to lean towards what type of decisions are made because they are two completely different ideologies. Yeah, and, and I think if you're observing what's going on, it it, it would appear, uh, I mean, look, we may see a bit of a blip. Um, certainly we may see a bit of exhaustion now that the world has opened up. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe people, you know, for the summer will care more about spending their time versus like hunting for homes. Historically, um, it usually slows down in the summer months sure. and then starts picking up back sure. as the kids get back into school. Uh, exactly. But I mean, at the end of the day, we live in Canada. Uh, there's lots of immigration coming in. We have a banking system that's pinning rates very low. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of, of money sitting in bank accounts. And there really isn't a lot of other games in town. Mm-hmm. We don't have the equivalent to a Silicon Valley, uh, you know, in Ontario. Um, yeah. There isn't uh, this very diversified stock exchange, which has a plethora of really cool, unique companies <laughs> that are creating all kinds of innovative um, um, technologies which are moving the world forward, yeah. uh, which is another, I guess that would be the flip side. Like if I had to make one uh, sort of argument about, you know, what what is the cost of rapidly inflating um, um, home prices um, long term, unfortunately, it, it kind of creates a bit of a brain drain. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of talent that is choosing, this is the up and coming 20 year olds. Uh, that are choosing to go to Texas or different different states in the U.S. where they can buy twice the home for half as much, and they can yeah. make twice as much uh, with with all kinds of prospects for interesting employment because yeah. of the type of corporations that exist in the United States. 
Um, and so that that is a unintended side effect of, of some of the policy that we have uh, occurring in Canada. And again, I'm not not judging it, but it's important to observe that because uh, for people our age, we we are consistently trying to think about what's best for the next generation. Absolutely. Well, that's so I've got three boys. My oldest is 12. He pays attention to everything that's going on. He very understanding. I think it's probably because he's always surrounded by conversations having to do with real estate investments. My father is a financial advisor. So he's grown up with these types of conversations. Um, I'm concerned about what it's going to look like for them. And maybe because it's not what I'm used to yeah. now. And then understanding what the potential changes might be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's, impossible to predict <laughs> the future in any reasonable way because I think the technology factor really shifts things like I mean for sure it does uh, for a lot of years uh, I sort of covered the sort of what's the word I'm looking for um, it's sustainability uh, that the economy wouldn't be sustainable at the rapidly increasing rates of debt mm -hmm. and, um, that's true it, it's just simply not uh, but that's not necessarily bad either um, from a further perspective, I mean, look, everything's been built. Um, whether the money system that we've created is is um, fictional or not fictional, and we <laughs> believe it, so yeah. it, that makes it real, yeah. is, is completely irrelevant. The buildings are here. Yeah. The factories are here. We have the te like technology is it creates. So it does. But from an economics term, it, it, it actually can't, like, perfect technology creates unlimited abundance perfect technology, which we're moving towards slowly, right? Mm -hmm. And in a world of perfect technology, I mean, if you think of that, humans are not that really relevant, right? It's, uh, well, <laughs> look, go to the grocery stores yeah. now, go to any of your shopping centers, humans are yeah. being replaced by machines, right? creating efficiencies, increasing efficiencies. It's- And is that bad? So this is the question, right? is that bad? And I'm not, it would be bad to a, if you want things to stay the same, this is all bad. Absolutely. Um, but if you're very revolutionary thinking uh, and that the future could be radically different, uh, I think a lot of quote unquote jobs, uh, and this shouldn't surprise anybody to say that's probably non-existent. I think mm -hmm. this is probably the most uncomfortable thing I'll say is I think about 90%, if not slightly more real estate agents are likely irrelevant in 10 years, if not less. I think the same is true for, for mortgage brokers. I think the mm -hmm. same is true for financial planners. Yeah. I think the same could probably be true for um, lawyers because you could probably do discovery with an AI program at light speed versus yeah. you know paying big bucks and that. And then we could just apply this to all these like high level sort of either corporate or professional jobs. And the question then becomes, is that bad? Mm -hmm. uh, it could seem bad because it's like, well, what are we supposed to do with our time? Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Um, no, for sure. There, there isn't like, there, it used to be technology replaced to make busy jobs. Like I'm an automated, I work in a factory. factory. Yep. Um, and that didn't really bother uh, professionals or salespeople. No. Um, but now when realtors don't have the black box of information anymore and the information is widespread, compiled perfectly, um, so like, you know, a 17 year old can like research data, data analytics, mm -hmm. apply algorithms and make really sophisticated real estate trades. Yep. Um, they don't need to call the old guy in the office. That's like, Oh, I know a guy who knows a guy. Yeah, exactly. Here's, <laughs> here's my, uh, flyer. So I, I, this is a big revolution in, in thinking. And again, I think that, um, 
abundance destroys scarcity, which is fundamentally at the core of economic thought. So we, we are moving into a really unique, impossible, I guess if I had to conclude on that, what I'm really yeah. saying is you can't know exactly how things are going to turn out. It's an exciting time because the, the way we understand money mm -hmm. and, and pricing and valuations, it, it doesn't really work in the future based with like when you really inject technology in. So it's like, keep yeah. an open mind. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> That's, I think one of the biggest things is to be able to adapt, um, to what is happening around you. Um, I know like my kids, they're learning, they've been learning how to code. Sure. That's great. Since grade one. Amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. But that's the way of the future with technology and everything. So it's uh let me know when they get rich on Bitcoin. That's well, okay. My 12-year-old was talking about mining Bitcoin. Sure. And he was saying he needs whatever graphics card and all this sort of stuff to be able to figure out how to do it. It's completely way over my head, but that is the mentality of the younger generations. That's a virtual reality, right? So there's there's completely. a concept that uh there's enormous, enormous like wealth that can be accumulated in virtual platforms and that's mm -hmm. essentially cryptocurrency yeah. which is multiple trillion dollars in 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 size now and it's like well obviously most people in my generation up don't understand that no um you know and, and are psychologically don't have the ability to place value on virtual things mm -hmm. um, that's a big shift that would so, be a huge shift okay if we say that if at some point in time, our centralized banking system is completely disassembled, um, no longer exists, and it's we're going and trending completely into this virtual world of Bitcoin, would that be a universal um, currency or? Yeah, nobody knows enough to answer that question. Um, unfortunately, like, I mean, there's a lot of people who have very strong opinions on it, though. Yes. Uh, they're very smart. Like, I mean, if you go on the far extreme of the conservative minded thinking, um, physical, no, not really physical because we're pretty much digital now yeah. uh, anyways. Um, but you've got centralized banking, which is what you're kind of, um, I don't know that centralized banking goes away, uh, because there's a lot of arguments for why that is beneficial. Mm -hmm. Um, on the flip side of that, there's a lot of reasons why people like decentralized uh, banking um, or democracy, which would be like your cryptocurrency, yeah, uh, because it's not able to be manipulated by central banks. Yeah. Uh, now we've seen a lot of governments and central banks talk really negatively about cryptocurrency, and it's correct. It's understand. Hard. It's understandable. Uh, and it's very volatile, yeah. and it, it it it's difficult to utilize it now as trade. Mm -hmm. uh, but it doesn't mean that it won't. Uh, be the dominant force in the future. It's difficult to ascertain that because there's sort of, um, it almost seems to be a battle in the background between cryptocurrency and centralized mm -hmm. uh, uh, banking. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think cryptocurrency is not going away. No. Okay. Well, we're seeing it now, even yeah. with, from the real estate standpoint, we're yeah. seeing um, real estate boards that are starting to build in and incorporate the ability to purchase sure. and show. I know that there's different um, iBuyers that exist, different tech companies that are out there that are sort of revolutionizing um, sure. the real estate world where you can go in and you can purchase with cryptocurrency. Yeah, like if you really invest like the 100 hours, which I think is what it typically takes um, to really wrap your head around crypto, which I, I haven't I've, I've <laughs> gone that far. 
Uh, but the longer I look into it, the more I realize it's probably not going away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've got all kinds of theories that uh, may or may not pan out, but it's, it, I think um, it's very possible that you'll see central banking or centralized finance try to work with it mm-hmm. in some level. Rather than fight it, they may eventually accept it to some level. Ying yang, dancing. Yeah, <laughs> we dance together, exactly. Um. Yeah, no, it's always interesting to go and sort of take, sort of try and get a sense of what the future might possibly look like. There's so many changes that's going on right now, whether it's with the impacts of COVID and the pandemic and really bringing to the forefront um, just employment, where people are working now, relocation that's happening. There's so much that's made a shift so far that you know, it's amazing, despite how complex, complicated the world and difficult to understand the world has become. Um, I recently uh, read a book called Be Like Water, My Friend, which was written by uh, Bruce Lee's daughter. I was just going to say, wasn't that a Bruce Lee quote? It, Be like water. It, yeah. And I mean, that's really great advice. I believe for everyone to, like, to, to because what, what, we're, what we're talking about is not being rigid in our beliefs, like the cup mm-hmm. is rigid and water is quite flexible. Form, formless at the same time. It just takes uh, the form of whatever it's around, but yeah. it crashes, it flows and it's still, but it's always ready. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good posture uh, when when looking at this um, level of uncertainty. Because if I had to say, what is the greatest trend I've observed uh, in the last year and a half? <laughs> uh, what is the greatest trend? And, and it, it, it has to be, it has to be the uncertainty of the future absolutely, um, and the way people behave and try to um, get through the day with that. And you'll see a range of people being like ostrich-like, like just bury my head in Netflix mm-hmm. forever. Um, you've seen some people just get exceptionally um, active with business and will work themselves into a grave. Some people mm-hmm. have found spiritual enlightenment. Yeah. Other people have become drug addicts. So it's like people have really... Um, um, taking this uncertainty seriously mm-hmm. uh, because you can't escape it. Yep, it's it's so true. <laughs> yeah, so I mean that that flexibility I think is a way of it's a it's a mentality of uh, kind of going through this uncertainty uh, while maintaining an internal sense of well being and making good choices. Absolutely, yeah, very well said. As always, it's a pleasure chatting with you. Our conversations always go sort of all over the place. So we hope that everyone enjoyed and took away a few nuggets here and that this has at least helped you broaden your way of thinking. And maybe um, we can have another conversation in a few months and see where we're at in the world. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome.